the only class, the only class I ever failed in college was Intro to Art Education. <laughs> okay, if you stop listening to my podcast right now, I will totally understand. But if you keep listening and you listen to this episode in particular, you'll realize that I have frequently clashed and collided with plenty of failures, especially in the world of art education. So, so stick around. <laughs> I got a couple of stories for you. So my college, the School of Visual Arts, um, SVA, is located on 23rd Street in Manhattan, New York City. And the class, Intro to Art Education, you know, they, they set that up to provide those considering a possible career as an art educator, you know, a look at the process, how, how it worked. And I can't truly remember why I enrolled in the class. I only can assume, like thinking about it now, that I had fond memories of being in high school <laughs> or something like that and I just thought it's maybe this was an avenue back you know I think there is a time when you get to college and when you first leave high school that you actually want to go back um, <laughs> until you realize that you can never go back anyway I, I kind of learned that lesson right right in this class so um, we, ne we never met in a classroom at SVA and not on the facilities we um, there was like a local elementary school and we would go to the elementary school and we'd meet there and the course instructor would teach a lesson to elementary school students like actually you know we would be in the back of the room um, and we'd watch her teach the class and then after the lesson was done I think we'd help out a little bit I guess we'd help pa pass out paint or paper whatever he did make sure they didn't cut themselves with the scissors but after the lesson um, the elementary school, you know, the kids would leave the room and then we would sit, you know, sit around in a circle there in the class and we'd just discuss that what happened. We'd evaluate and critique the whole events of the day and everything like that. So um, eventually, <laughs> I, I believe we were going to get a chance to prepare our own lessons and take turns teaching the class. But um, <laughs> I don't really know because I, 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 I never found out. I stopped going to class. I, I stopped going because I didn't understand the edu speak. I mean, that's the thing I remember about it the most. The, the teacher used all these big words like curriculum and standards. And I was like, I don't want to know about curriculum and standards and rubrics and rubrics cubes and things like that. You know, I had a rubrics cube at home, but I, I didn't think I should bring it to the art room. Maybe we could have made, taken it apart made art out of it like a mosaic. Anyway, I digress. There, it wasn't creative and it wasn't fun and there was nothing experimental about it and you know I was an art student and that's really what I wanted to, to do so I stopped going you know I just came to the realization that art education was about the objectives the summaries and all that stuff and it wasn't about it didn't seem to be about art at least not to me you know which which was kind of sad I guess um, so I went to student services and I was like I want to redraw I want to withdraw from the class and they were like, uh, no, sorry, it's too late. You know, you got to withdraw within a certain, probably 10 days. <laughs> Who knows how long I was there. But it was past the deadline. The deadline for dropping classes had passed. And uh, so I was I was not going to be able to do that. So I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to go back to the class. And they were like, well, you can either go back to the class or you're going to fail. <laughs> and fail. I was like, what do I care? I don't want to be an art educator. This is not for me. I'm never going to be an art education teacher. So I don't care if I fail. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so to this day, if you review my transcripts, right there in the middle of the page under the line Spring 1985, yes, I'm giving away my age, it reads Course AE202, Intro to Art Education, Grade F. 
uh, as Bart Simpson said, uh, I got a, I got an F in art. Mostly so my report card would say fart. <laughs> okay, there you go. Quality points, 0.00. <laughs> but, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this wasn't the last time I was going to fail, you know, in the world of art education. And there are plenty more stories I can go on to tell you. So I think I will continue. So I wrote a book. Um, I just self-published it, and you can find it online. Um, it's called Project Flop, Good Lessons from a Bad Teacher. It's a book about failures uh, by your host, Ian Sands. Um, and, and this story, start, this one I've just told, is, is what kicks off the book. And the rest of the book is just a bunch of little stories of, of projects I did that, that failed miserably. <laughs> um, and the lessons I learned from, from them, because that's really what it's about. You know, you can fail, and it's okay to fail, because when you fail, that's when you learn. And, and I want the kids, my kids, to understand that my students, you know, all well, my personal kids too. I think everyone should understand that is that that's failure is when you learn. Um, and sometimes that's okay to fail. So all projects um, start off with the best intentions, right? I mean, it, you create a lesson plan from scratch or if you borrowed it from someone else, you think it's going to be successful, especially if you borrowed it from someone else because then, you know, they were successful with it. So you figure you're going to be successful with it. Here's a side note, that never happens for some reason. I don't know why, but whenever I've done a lesson plan that somebody else wrote, it's like doing a Xerox copy. There's something lost in the translation and as great as their successes were, and I might have some with the project, but I just never could emulate the successes that that person that person had uh, I don't know why but that just seems to be the way it works for me but anyway you write your lesson plan and, and you try to plan for every type of situation that may arise that's the whole point of having a lesson plan is so everything goes right like you pick the supplies you know you lay them out you d decide the demo you're gonna do you review it maybe you practice it in your head maybe you practice it in real life I don't know maybe you walk around the class and talk to yourself <laughs> I do Anyway, the whole point is that everything should go off without a hitch. That should be it. There should be no misalignment of the planets or angry art gods or anything else. But for some reason, that seems to happen, you know, sometimes more often than not. And the lesson will fall apart. It'll just be like, fall apart. And it doesn't matter, you know, regardless of your preparation, the, the students don't understand. Like, no matter what you tried, as much enthusiasm as you have, the class simply doesn't share your zeal for the project, you know? So, you, you know, you try to put it all together, and in the end, it just, for, for lack of a better word, fails. So... Don't take it personally, or maybe you do take it personally, and that's horrible, but try not to because this happens to the best of us. You'll be happy to know you're in good company. Again, <laughs> if you read the book Project Flop, you'll see I have plenty of failures in here. I think good teachers fail, and that's it. You know, you might be a good teacher, and you're going to fail. You want to know what else I think? I think great teachers fail a lot. Yes, I'm sure you can find a teacher who will probably tell you that her projects never fail. Oh, my projects are, I've been teaching for 47 years and my projects are, yeah, probably those teachers, you know, they probably do have a, a set of fail-proof projects that they do over and over and over again. Um, and that's great. I mean, that can work for some people. But however, you know, I think those teachers are missing out on something because... I mean, at least at one time in their life, they did have a few failures. And I mean, they had to, to get to the point where they could solidify their lesson plans to the point where they didn't fail. And I think at that point, they took their lesson plan book and they like cast it in stone. <laughs> they just like maybe bronze, you know, like they just made this bronze book of lesson plans they were never going to touch because everything was going to work. Um, and these teachers might not fail anymore. 
but they don't take any chances. They never try anything new and therefore they never grow. And I don't know if their students do or not, but, but they don't. And that's sort of sad because I think we all want to grow. You know, it's nice to be successful, but if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you could get tired of it. It could be not very exciting for you anymore. You could just be going through the motions. So good teachers fail because they're willing to step out of their comfort zone and to better their programs, really. I mean, great teachers fail a lot because they are constantly learning, constantly developing, and they're passionate about sharing what they learn, and they want their projects to be the best they can possibly be, and they want their assignments to be the best they can they can possibly be. You know, you, you probably heard the story of Thomas Edison, uh, supposedly, you know, I don't, I wasn't there, but they say, you know, he, he tried more than a thousand times to get the filament to work in a light bulb, like over a thousand times, I guess. And at one point later on in life, they asked him about it. And supposedly Edison said, I've not failed a thousand times. I have successfully discovered 1000 ways to not make a light bulb. (laughs) Um, You know, I guess the point of the story (laughs) is to gain, you know, that understanding that even when we fail, we still learn. And, and that to fail is not truly failure, especially if you do learn something and take something away from it. And eventually, you know, I got my lights on right now. So, hey, good for him. Worked out. Um, some of the projects I've done in the past, um, you know, haven't worked out well. Um, even ones when I kept doing them and kind of almost built into the project itself. And I'll give you an example. Um, I do photography projects and I still do this once in a while. I kind of give it as you know an elective, but I used to do it with the whole class and say, we're going to do forced perspective. Now, if you're familiar with forced perspective, which you probably are, but uh, just for those who might not be, it's the idea where you take a picture and there's something close up to the lens and then something far away. But it gives the um, illusion, if you will, that everything's on the same plane, like they're all at the same. There's not perspective isn't there. It's at the same on the same line. So, for example, you might take a, a soda bottle and you place it close to the camera and then you have someone go far away and they align themselves. So they look like they're standing on top of that soda bottle. And of course, they look really small because they're far away and the soda bottle looks really big. And you take a picture and it looks like a little person standing on a regular soda bottle or a, a, a little or a normal person standing on a giant soda bottle. Anyway, it's a great it's a great illusion and a lot of fun for kids to do. And it's you know a good way to get out there and take pictures and learn about different things. So um, I think it's a fun project and that's why I've always given it. Um, But I have to advise my students whenever they're attempting to do this project, they have to take a lot of pictures. I'm like, listen, because they think they're going to, oh, we're just going to line it up and take one picture and it's going to come out. No, that's not the way it works. I'm like, you need to take like a hundred pictures because for every photo, hundred photos you take, there's going to be maybe 10 worth viewing. And out of those 10, like only maybe three are going to be truly outstanding. Um, because, you know, maybe it, it doesn't, like that example I said with the, the person trying to pretend they're standing on the soda bottle. So maybe their feet are too low and they're getting cut off. Or maybe they're too high and it looks like they're just floating above it. Like you, the cameraman has to be in the right spot and the person in the picture has to be in the right spot so they can get the angle just right. So take they have to take a whole bunch of pictures to get it perfect. You know, so 100 of them. And only 10, you know, work out. Does that mean, you know, the project failed 90 times? <laughs> like, well, sort of, yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's not that, let's take Thomas, Thomas Edison's words there. No, the students didn't fail 90 times. They just learned 90 ways not to take a good forced perspective photograph, right? 
Sometimes when you do a project, it might not go well, but it can produce an alternative project. So almost by mistake, like the project fails, but but during the failure, you get another project out of it. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about with that too. Um, I have in the past another photography project done light drawing or light painting. Some people call it light painting. Uh, the idea is um, very simple. You have a camera, you set your camera so it, the shutter is opened up um, for a while so it doesn't just go click and take the picture but it's like click and it stays open for like maybe 10 seconds or something like that and you do that in the dark and then the person taking the picture is in the dark and they aim it at someone holding a flashlight or a glow stick or something like that and what happens is when the picture finally develops it captures all the movement that the person made so they can swing their arms around and make a heart or make write letters and it looks like they're writing in in the sky um, Picasso did this if you ever want to look it up he was I think he's maybe one of the first people to do it or 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 was doing it with a photographer who was helping him do it that's the earliest um, light painting that I know of. Anyway, a little art history for you kids. So there you go. Check that out. Um, but I've done it, you know, with my kids and we have a lot of fun. We used to do like almost like a party in the room. I had a trailer and it had like one tiny window. So we get the black paper, the bulletin board paper, and we just cover the window and uh, we get glow sticks. And I, I had a bunch of cameras that, you know, we had like a class, not a class set, but I guess like six of them. So I put people in groups and uh, they put them in different parts of the room and we play some like music. And it was like a little rave party going on there in the art room um and but the thing is like again like the forced perspective picture light drawings the same way like kids are like i'm gonna write my name and it's like yeah go ahead so i tell the kid take the picture you you better take 100 pictures of this too the first time they try to write their name and they try to write a p and it's a d because it's backwards and upside down like you have to think about that whole thing so those those things fail a lot or else they're just blurry or the camera wasn't you know they weren't moving at the right time when they went to snap the camera like the team needs to learn like okay i'm taking the picture in five four three two one okay Okay, now moving it. Okay, it's processing now. I don't have to move anymore. Like there's a whole learning curve in that, and a lot of failures. Um, but you will get some decent pictures, you know, eventually, <laughs> eventually. Anyway, one day we were doing this, and um, one of the one of the I guess the groups was just not. It wasn't going well for them at all. Everything was blurry, and their letters were backwards. And they're watching everybody else have all these great photos because they run up to you and like, hey, look at my picture and everything like that. And, and so I guess they were getting really kind of frustrated with it. And so the kid just kind of like had a stencil project that they had done, you know, with, with spray paint and they had the, the leftover stencil from, you know, from a previous project. So they grabbed that out of their cubby for whatever reason and, and they put the glow stick behind the stencil and the people took the picture and it was like, boom, instantly like successful because just like spray paint, you put all the time and effort into cutting out the stencil. But when you put the spray paint on, that takes like 10 seconds. This was the same idea. This student had spent a lot of time on the stencil. So when they put the light behind it, it was like instant, you know, glow stick graffiti, <laughs> like light graffiti. And so we invented this project and then all the students wanted to do it because it was so cool. Light graffiti. Um, just from this because they were having so much trouble because they were failing so this one project that was failing actually I guess you could say evolved into a whole new project and then in those other times when projects <laughs> don't work at all um, so I read it I remember doing this project this was years ago in Apex and uh I remember reading online that you, about moss graffiti and the idea behind moss graffiti was um, you have to make uh, like you get ingredients and I think it was like buttermilk and you had to have some moss and I don't know salt and pepper I don't remember what it was but you put it all in a blender and you mix it up and then if you went to a wall that had moss on it you could kind of paint this slop 
onto the wall and then you know because it was moist and everything it, the moss would grow and it would grow in like the shape or the letters or whatever you wrote so i'd only seen it done online hadn't done it but i like talked to the class and we were like okay let's give this a whirl so we didn't put a lot of thought into what we were going to write we just you know i well, i made the slop and i brought the ingredients made the slop in front of everybody in class and then gave everybody a little cup <laughs> a little paper cup full and uh, we went out to this wall that had moss growing on it and uh at the bottom and i was like you guys just paint right whatever you whatever you want and you know so we went out there and we did it and we spent the day on it you know and <laughs> and let me just tell you that it, it failed because like the moss never grew it like stained the wall where the slop went but the moss never grew we never got any moss graffiti out of it or anything like that so at the end of the semester i asked my students you know i always asked them which product was your favorite which had the least value and without a doubt moss graffiti was at the top of the list um and, and primarily because it didn't grow i mean i guess they were just disappointed in the fact that the moss didn't grow and they just looked at it like it was sort of a waste of time to go out and, and use this moss slop and and it didn't grow so it totally failed however <laughs> there was some benefits to it even though the project completely failed which is amazing when I asked about the fun projects, it also came up at the top of the list because it had been at the beginning of the semester. The kids didn't know each other that much. Um, they got to get out of class. They got to talk to each other, to meet each other, um, to talk and have fun and just do this silly, you know, thing like that. So it had this really kind of added benefit of um, like team building exercise. So. That project failed, but it, it didn't produce results that I wanted for the project, but it did produce these unexpected, you know, and positive results, which is really cool. So I guess all three of these project examples failed at some level, right? There's no doubt about it. So I guess you could say all projects, even failed ones, have value. Well, that's not entirely true. There's one more example of a project where when it fails, you have to look at it like this is a failure and it, it needs to go. And I'll give you an example. Now, this was a, a teacher-directed project I used to do years ago, which I borrowed from somebody else. And I don't think it ever really worked out well for them either, but they liked it. And so I thought I would, you know, do it. And I tried it a couple times. It was a printing, um, it was a printing lesson basically. And the idea was you draw on cardboard, you get a big piece of cardboard, you need a big piece. And you draw on some kind of line drawing, whatever you want to do. I think we were doing like still life drawings, which makes it even more boring. So it was like pictures of bottles and fruit or something. I don't even know, but I'm sure it was terrible like that. Anyway, after you had the line drawing, drawn, the line drawing on the cardboard, I can talk, it's a podcast, I can do this. Um, you take glue, like Elmer's glue, and you and you you trace the lines with the Elmer's glue. It put down a layer of glue, basically, and then you let that dry. And then on top of that layer of glue, you'd put down another layer of glue, and then rinse, repeat. You put down another layer, another layer, and eventually, um, you had enough on there that it was thick, and it and it created a, a texture, a bump. And then you take the ink, like you would any type, and kind of like a model print. You put the ink on the cardboard, and you put down the paper, and it would mostly pick up where the glue was, and it would pick up some of the background and it, uh, it, it, it just wasn't very exciting. <laughs> um, the students didn't like it. There was nothing, you know, it, they found it tedious. It was boring. It was like mostly all you were doing was putting glue down. The drawings weren't that exciting in the first place and the results weren't very satisfactory at all. So we'd spend like a week on this project and it, it would be like the least, their least favorite project every time. And the difference between that and let's say the Moss project is there were no unintentional successes. It was just like, this was bad. There was nothing good about it. We learned little, spent a lot of time. It's a failed project. And that is one that does not need to be done again. That is when you say to yourself, this is a failed project and this thing needs to go. So 
I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do any more today, but in the future, I'm going to read some of the, the project fails that I had at a project flop. I'll tell you about the Skittle project I, I did. I'll tell you about the kites we tried one time, and I'll tell you about one of my favorite stories when I tried to do the game of Fear Factor in the classroom, so you can imagine that didn't go very well. So, the end of the podcast, moral of the story, failure is good, and it's okay for your students to fail, and it's perfectly fine for you two as well. All right, we'll see you next week.